0: Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim
1: and Shannon.
0: It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective on this Foundations of Israel Thursday episode. We have Darren Wold in the studio with us today. We're going to be talking about those foundations after inspiration.
1: Our inspiration today is about sharing your faith. In 1701, the Church of England founded the Society of the Propagation of the Gospel in order to send missionaries around the globe. The motto they chose was Latin for come over and help us. This has been the call on gospel ambassadors since the first century as followers of Jesus take the message of his love and forgiveness to a world in desperate need of it. The phrase, come over and help us, comes from the Macedonian call described in Acts 16. Paul and his team had arrived at Troas on the west coast of Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, There, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Having received the vision, Paul and his companions got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. They understood the vital importance of the call. Not everyone is called to cross the seas, but we can support those who do with our prayers and finances. And all of us can tell someone, whether across the room, the street, or the community, about the good news of Jesus. Let's pray that our good God will enable us to cross over and give people the greatest help of all, the opportunity for forgiveness in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, you sent your Son for our rescue and forgiveness. Equip us to be an agent of your great good news that forgiveness and freedom are available to whoever will receive Jesus by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Well, I remember a time not long ago where... Christians would try to cross the seas and witness to people. And countries would keep people of all different faiths out of their country, thinking that they would have an invasion or that there would be colonizing that would occur. And I'm not talking about a hundred years ago, just a couple decades ago. And still, countries try to keep missionaries out. And oftentimes, they have to create agreements with governments that say, we are just going to come and help them learn how to plow and learn how to drill wells and create prosperity and Christianity in an area. And it's, it's strange because those governments keeping just a few people out to witness and to help other nations, we see where this political ideology is saying, Oh no, 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 no. We need open borders. What's your right to the nation. And I think there's a lot of us citizens right now that are kind of thinking, do we have a nation if we don't have borders? And then there's the issue of Israel where, it seems politically there are some, whether you want to consider them lunatics or not, depending on the other political policies that they're coming up with. But the arrogance of Israel to actually have a nation, it's I, I think, you know, I think the US has to have borders. Israel has to have borders. Every country has to have borders. It's kind of like the border of my yard that's got a nice little fence, because good fences make good. Good neighbors, So I think that ideology is pretty well founded just in your own neighborhood, but we have threats to Israel going on constantly. So we've got to look at the foundations of that nation today. We got Darren Wold in the studio with us today. Thanks for coming in Darren.
2: Thanks Tim. Hey, I uh, wanted to bring some, a little bit different perspective uh, to some of this thought of the foundations of Israel. We all know about um, the stories in Genesis, the Lord coming to Abraham and promising him to be the father of many nations. There's also a the promise of, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And we even have a later time in Exodus where he talks about, um, you will make no covenant with those other people that are in that land, nor with their gods. In other words, you're not supposed to have any even peace deals with these people. They're supposed to be gone, and this is the land I give you, which by the way is way bigger than that little tiny sliver that they're living in now. Um, The land that God gave them is a majority of Saudi Arabia, part of Iraq, Iran, Lebanon, almost all of Jordan, even going into parts of Egypt. So Maybe
0: politically that's why it's such a threat right now because in 1948... They said, well, you can have this little sliver, we'll call it Israel, because we're tired of all the wars going on down there between you guys. So they tried to create peace, but what they did was they gave them a sliver of what God promised would be this the uh, the Holy Land, right, yes. of Israel. And, and so in doing that, now you've got these other nations that are trying to act like Israel and the Jews are trespassing on that little sliver, and they've got to— What's, what's the political narrative now, from the river to the sea?
2: From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. I would pardon it and to go backwards. I would say from the river to the sea, if you're not Israeli, you should flee. Ah, yeah. I would, par- I would parse it that way because, uh, God gave them that land and he was very specific about there. you you make no peace treaties mm-hmm. with anyone and that is your land. And their job was to get rid of everybody else. So either the people there want to join them. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's not a peace treaty. You become us or you leave.
0: Well, I, I kind of have a feeling that this foundation of Israel being Israel is important and we've lived it out across generations in many countries, and, and I kind of feel the same. I, you know, if you want to be a Canadian, you should probably be in Canada. Yeah. And you know, if you want to be an American, you should be in America. And if you don't want to be an American, you shouldn't be in America. So it's it's kind of one of those themes. It's kind of you know, it's mm-hmm. like you want to live in the ru- the rules of the household. You want to help pay the rent. We're all going to get along. If you don't, then there's other places you can be. Right. So that foundation is kind of like the fences in the neighborhood well this is my yard that's your yard we, we wave to each other we say hi you know we might help each other out but I mow my yard yeah. right you that's your yard <laughs> so it, it's kind of one of those things where your kids can ask to come over and play but they Don't own my yard, right? It's a you know, I don't want to be that guy that says get off my lawn, but I think Israel's at the point where they should kind of talk about people getting off their lawn.
2: Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. In fact, I'd love to take you guys back in time a little bit to uh, a little bit of a prophetic utterance that came from a very brilliant and a very famous man, uh, Sir Isaac Newton. He was in the uh, Tower of London in 1640 working on a bunch of hyper accurate survey maps of the world. In the Middle East, especially. And this is with this newly developed system of measurement called the nautical mile, which is based on one arc second of the Earth's diameter. Um, if you know that, that that means what this measurement is, it's a very godly measurement You're using God's creation to measure the things on the Earth. Well, in doing so, he realized there's a there's a, an actual relationship between some of the locations on the Earth to the time certain things happened. And I'll give you an example. We know that in, in 587 BC, the uh, Babylonians came and they destroyed the temple in, in Jerusalem, and they took the Israelites captive to Babylon. So one of the things that Sir Isaac Newton noticed in his writings, that it is from the temple steps in Jerusalem to the temple in Babylon, exactly 587 nautical miles. And that occurred in 587 BC. That's kind of weird. That's got to be just a coincidence. So then he thought, well, wait, then the Persians came, you know, the story and took over from Babylon and they took everybody to Persia. And so the capital there in Nineveh, if you look at it was 536 nautical miles from the temple steps in Jerusalem. And that occurred in 536 BC that's pretty amazing it kind of blows your mind you know you're thinking on this now the crazy part this is 1640 the Jews don't have a land there's nobody there right it's just pretty much barren empty nothing and Sir Isaac Newton makes this posit in his writings he says I believe that the Bible is correct and one day the Jews will be back in their land but he said take careful note the people who most have influence to allow them to come back in their land, the time it occurs will directly correlate to the distance that that people's capital or city or major area is from the Temple Steps.
1: I was just going to say, what is 2,024 nautical miles from the Temple Steps?
2: (laughs) I don't know that, but I will tell you that in no, but you got
1: my mind wondering. Ni- yeah, I'm wondering. Oh,
2: yeah. 1948, May 14th. We know Israel became a nation again. Here's the crazy part. Did you know that the country most influencing at that time was the country that owned that whole Levant area of Palestine? They had just captured it in World War I from the Ottoman Empire. The Turks it was Great Britain. Mm. And in Great Britain, what is the capital? London. London. In London.
0: London, England.
2: In London, England, there is a stone called uh, the London Stone. It is on the Thames River. That stone is the place that all measurements in the British Isles are made from. If you want to know how far something is from London, you start at the London Stone and you go up how many miles from that stone. That stone's history, it was brought back in the Middle Ages. It was a piece of Solomon's Temple that the Knights Templar supposedly brought back and put on the Thames River as a monument for the Crusades. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yes. So at that time when that was made, this measurement is exactly 1,948.42 nautical miles from... The temple steps to the actual, what they call London stone. London stone. Now that wasn't good enough for me. Just so you know, I'm kind of one of those nerds. I'm like, Lord, what's the point four two? So I do the math and he goes, well, it's May 14th. Okay, there's my point four, but what's the two? And he goes, wait, wait, maybe it's not from the steps. I'm like, what? So I go get a diagram of the original temple and that two hundredths of a nautical mile comes out to be like 121 feet. It's from the temple steps to where the Ark of the Covenant would sit in the Holy of Holies. Wow. Oh, oh, okay. So we're measuring actually from the Holy of Holies. All right. All right, Lord. So anyway, here's this declaration put forth, and it is 100% accurate. Um, he nails it from 1640 blindly. And the funny part is, he's literally couple miles or whatever from the London stone in the temple or in the Tower of London at the time, not knowing that it would be Great Britain that would be the one to allow them back in. In uh, 1917 they had the Balfour Declaration put forth by uh, Lord Balfour and that was the beginning to let the Jews back into the land. And by the time World War II happens and all the horrible things that happened in World War II, uh, they realized these people need a place to go. And this should be the place it's put forward. It's voted on. And next thing you know, it's there. Uh, just amazing. That's the beginning of everything. Now, the one thing I kind of wanted to address too is, um, you have this huge thing about the land of Palestine. And I have to say it's kind of a joke because if you know where that name comes from, you understand that that was a slur that was given to it.
0: Yeah. Palestine. Well, and you said the land, the palace. I don't palace. There's been no government ever in history. And I don't know that it's as a joke as much of it as a political distraction.
2: Political distraction or even a slap in the face, because where we get that name, Palestine, comes from uh, 135 A.D., Emperor Hadrian, Roman emperor. Um, you know, in, in 70 A.D., he destroys Jerusalem, destroys the temple, but they're still infighting with the Jews, and he's so sick of it, and by the time um, it rolls around to him, he decides that we're gonna not even call this Jerusalem or Israel anymore there's not going to be any mention of these people so he renames them and the land after their their enemies the Philistines from the Bible and he calls it he calls it Palestine
0: Palestine that's where we get the name Palestine
2: it. and we know it's not an Arab name the Arabs never gave it that name because in Arabic there's no There's no P sound. You can't say Palestine. They say Balestine with a B or Philistine with an an F sound. There's no P
0: in that language. There's no P. P in the Arabic language. Think about that. Would you
2: name something if you don't have that sound in your
0: language? So they've had to change their language just to say the name of the state that doesn't exist. There you go. That's, I mean... That's pretty profound. Oh, another P word, profound. So we're going <laughs> to have to uh, take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to continue speaking in English using uh, P, but I think we're going to be using a lot of other letters and words to explain why Israel is where it is. And... Uh, Is there a promised land? Are we promised a land? Do we have a country? Do they have a country? Let's not let all these things get blurred. We're going to give clarity in just a moment. Don't go anywhere.
1: Today, we want to think about how our founding fathers established a nearly foolproof system of government. Its checks and balances are among the most noteworthy aspects of our republic. Our government, when functioning as it was designed, champions our liberties and prevents our government from becoming tyrannical and oppressive. By and large, however, the American people are sadly uninformed about democratic principles and their role in safeguarding our freedoms. What's more, the clearly defined lines between the three branches of government are becoming blurred and the United States citizens are paying the price. We must continue to pray that God protects our way of life asking him that he would allow men and women in office who are committed to serving their constituents with integrity. We must remain in prayer for our elections, asking God to promote our fellow citizens to become more involved in this process. Voting is both a duty and a privilege, and the outcomes of our political races are critical in determining the future course of our nation. If you would take a moment to visit our website, www. Dot rightspokaneperspective.com. we have up on our website a list of all of our elected officials again go to www.rightspokaneperspective.com and let's all take a moment to pray for our officials and for the laws that they're looking at passing now back to our show
0: and welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on the Foundations of Israel episode here with Darren Wold. You know, we were talking about language and and how it works, and right now we're we're in a country and uh, civilization where we've lost the meaning of a lot of words. Words have been altered and changed the the meanings. we we're, we're using new words to distract people from the truth on issues and policies, politics. But that's not a new thing. We just learned. In the first half of the show, that uh, the Arabic language doesn't have the letter P, that the name Palestine was given because of the enemies, the Philistines, and it was basically them mocking that region, the politics, another P of the time, and and so you have this this dynamic that's playing out. Maybe that's why, and I I don't know if we're gonna jump in with Darren on this topic, but maybe that's why the other Arabic world the other muslim world uh, countries want nothing to do with palestinians because
1: they're nothing but a problem they
0: were named with a curse
2: (laughs) that's that's where it started definitely definitely and it's also interesting you know we talked about 1948 may 14th israel becomes a nation may 15th the next day they go to war oh and instantly are attacked by the Arab countries. They instantly repel them all miraculously. Imagine just showing up and, oh, we have a country, yay. And then wake up the next day, we're being attacked. Well, that's just one of many wars they fight. You've got 1949, Arab nations attack. You got 1956, the Sinai campaign, they get attacked again. 1967, the six day war, they get attacked again. And then 1973, the Yom Yom Kippur war war and what's interesting is every one of these wars the arab nations around them attack them and in every one of these wars every one they gain more ground than they previously occupied and owned, and in every time the un and other nations are like oh you got to give it back you got to give it back when in your mind have you ever heard of a country who conquers territory and gives it back
0: uh the united states has conquered places and gave it back to the original people that were attacked. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I I can't think of any time in history where a nation would make peace in an area or conquer an area Mm -hmm. because of greed, maybe, that they gave it back.
2: And the crazy part is the Israelis at, at any time in these wars should have lost because they were outnumbered. They had, they didn't have the manpower, didn't have the tanks, didn't have the airplanes, didn't have the weapons, the ammunition. And in every one of these instances, uh, they miraculously come out on top with more ground, more land, more of everything. They control it all. Now, unfortunately in every case they start giving it back. And one of the problems that I had with that for the longest time is man, the Lord told him in Genesis, you're not to do that. You're not to split the land and have treaties with these people and share the land. And there is a, a a special blessing and a special curse that will come upon those that try to do that. And I guess that's where we're going next. Because um, one of the things that we found is as these things started to happen, there started to be uh, catastrophes that would occur as um, either U.S. presidents or leaders of other nations would step in and say, we want to help you with a peace treaty with the Palestinians. And the second they would do that, there would be an instant natural disaster that would take place back home, whether it was a hurricane or tornado, earthquakes, volcanoes, fires, you know, all these things that you all, that we normally would attribute to the hand of God. Because these are things beyond our control. And some of them are fantastic.
0: Well, even in insurance policy, it's called an act of God.
2: Exactly. Thank you. I mean, you go to an insurance underwriter and they will write act of God because there's nobody in the world that can control that, but apparently he can. And if that's happening right after somebody goes and tries to divide God's land tries to take away land from Israel that God has apportioned to them. You'd think they would figure this out. Well, and
0: it's it was a reoccurring thing. It's not something that just happened once or twice. It was something that <laughs> people have researched at <laughs> nauseum and realized maybe we should have a different public policy direction.
2: You think Um, I'm going to bring a few to your, your, your mind here. Um, So uh, here we have uh, October 18th, 1991, the U S announces the upcoming Madrid peace conference with the, with Russia, Israel, Arab nations, and the Palestinians. And October 20th, we have the Oakland firestorm, the greatest fire and loss of life since 1906 in the United States, $2.5 billion. Uh, And November 1st, of 1991 you had the Madrid Middle East Peace Conference and October 30th and November 1st we had the perfect storm is the worst storm in a hundred years there's an actual movie called the perfect storm and it covered the East Coast and President Bush's personal home was damaged by that storm um in august 24th of 1992 you had round six of the peace talks where they resumed in washington dc and israel came with autonomy planned for palestinians august 23rd and 24th the same day in 1992 hurricane andrew the worst natural disaster in u.s history to date 27 billion dollars occurred these things go on and on, and I'm I'm taking some of this stuff from a book that a gentleman put together. That's you know, if you're interested in this type of reading, yeah, his name is is Bill Koenig, and Bill has put together oh man, hundreds of instances of. These presidents and leaders that have come in and tried to divide the land of Israel and tried to make concessions to these Palestinians, these Arabs. Okay, um, so
0: some of this information we're talking about today can, is coming from a
2: book from Bill Koenig. Bill Koenig, yep, and the book is called Eye to Eye. It's actually an older book. He wrote it, I think, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. But the thing was, is Bill's still alive today, and he does all kinds of conferences and talks and conventions. And um, here, just uh, beginning of the, the, the month preceding in January, Bill, he made a, a little statement. He said, uh, hey, you guys are recognizing that Anthony Blinken is going over to Israel to get them to stop fighting in Gaza and to make a peace treaty and get a plan for a government going. And the first thing Bill said is, guys, hunker down and get ready. We're about to get hit.
0: And now this was, this, we're talking about uh, what, first week of January. And yeah. This was happening, top being discussed.
2: Yeah. And then what happened in the next couple of days in January, we got hit by the coldest Arctic blast to hit the United States in a hundred years.
0: Well, it was, it was strange too, because a lot, you know, in the, you know, the Northwest were like, okay, at some point throughout the year, we're going to have some cold temperatures. Typically, yeah. you know, it's yeah. going to get down to five, 10, you know, 12 degrees, whatever that's yeah. normally kind of the coldest it gets every now and again, we hit a negative, but mm-hmm. you know. But it wasn't just in the Northwest. It wasn't just like this Arctic blast that covered the corner of the Northwest like it usually would. Mm -hmm. Or, Or maybe we have a mild winter and the Northeast gets hit. This was the whole country wa- got frozen.
2: And what's crazy is at this time, my own church had a bunch of our, our men that were on what's called the Power Ministries Tour. It's a missionary tour down in Mexico. So they were working uh, right there in Texas and Mexico across the border with a whole bunch of these really neat little communities where they've got uh, Bible schools, they've got churches and things they're building for these people. And the guys were, came back and told us here when they got back that it was crazy the temperature dropped to 27, 28 degrees. And these are places where nobody has heat. There's no heat in their buildings down there because it's... It's hot. it never cold. It's always hot. Right. He said they walk into the buildings, these poor kids are freezing. They're they got every stitch of clothes they can and they're wrapping themselves up in blankets or whatever they can get their hands on because they have never been in temperatures like this. So we're
0: talking in a hundred years.
2: Yeah, in a hundred years. Well, in their lifetime anyway.
0: Oh, for sure. Well, this is like a hundred year Arctic blast. Yeah, like, it's crazy. Yeah. And
2: so these temperatures that we experience, well, yeah, we we're in Spokane. We get these type of temperatures, no big deal. But clear down into Mexico across the border from Texas that you're sub-freezing temperatures in places that never see that, that don't even have heat, don't know how to even cope with it, don't have the facilities to cope with it.
0: And the curse came from, uh, uh, well, I'd say the weather changed. The curse came in a blink in a high uh, bl- oh, oh, Blinken! Wow! Oh, Anthony Blinken. Look at
2: that, a wordplay. <laughs>
0: so he's uh, he's down there trying to tell Israel that they can't respond to the largest mass murder of Israelis Jews since, since the Holocaust since World War 2 since the Holocaust
2: mm-hmm yes
0: uh, the arrogance of america at this point i i, I just can't it's un- and, and we're not even protecting our own borders but for all we know uh <laughs> you know those arab nations that want to see death to america are coming across our border right I yes mean, that very on.
2: well could be that is that's not crazy. a that's not stretching the truth even by a little bit right there
0: well it only took a handful to you know do 9-11
2: this is true this is true um
1: that wasn't the only thing we saw though We've also got the atmospheric rivers that are going on in California.
2: Because our president himself then tried to tell Israel to stop fighting. They need to wind down. They need to end this. And And he uses his national bully pulpit to come out and say it. Yep. Very still. And, and as again, we are hit by these huge water streams coming in. The you know Pineapple Express hits California, uh, tons of flooding, loss of property, lives, all kinds of, again, natural acts of disaster that you would say it's an act of God. And I think as long as we are trying to influence or anybody is trying to influence Israel to give away land or to stop fighting, stop getting the evil people out of their land, you're going to see this type of a uh, curse come upon whoever's nation that is that comes to israel to try to stop it
0: well and i think that so this book that you're talking about eye to eye and all these elements of the palestinian non-state yeah and and all of this to me the palestinians were cursed by the name palestinian and we look at the history of the united states i don't know that the author here Koenig, is the only one that That recognize this because it's been a long-standing policy in the United States that our ally is Israel. And the only time that we've tried to influence Israel, it seems, is to moderate their religious and their practices within that Jewish nation. Now, I think that the Jewish nation has moderated itself without our help in a lot of ways that mm-hmm. has brought some curses on itself. Oh, yes.
2: But they're not not—they're not—they're not innocent by any means. Well,
0: but God said, this is your land. But you yes. also still have, you know, like with Christians, you have free will, you make mistakes. Yes. Sometimes you have bad leaders. Sometimes you have good leaders. We've seen kind of the history play out the, from the Bible to, mm-hmm. to where we are today. And what I, th- I think is, is amazing is that, okay, so we just need to be reminded of this. So Koenig and, you know, the conversation we're having right now, it's time where we say, okay, this is God's land,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not mine. Yep. You know, whether it's our neighborhood, whether it's the United States, or whether it's Israel, and we need people to make good decisions because there's consequences, and sometimes they're acts of God.
2: And, you know, Tim, along with that, when God makes a promise, a covenant, he keeps that promise. He keeps that covenant. So these Old Testament promises and covenants – they're just as good and valid today as they were two, three, four, even almost 5,000 years ago when they were originally made. And I think one of the problems we have is we think, oh, that's Old Testament or that's old news, that's a long time ago. Not to God. Remember, time is not. Um, something he is subject to, like you and I are, we have to go through time and we can only go through it linearly. We can only pass through it at the speed that time progresses. The Lord himself made time and he is not subject to it. So he may go through it any way he wishes and wills and he may stop and rewind and go forward back. And he sees it all at the same time. Time. Yeah. That's I, hard. That's it, a hard it, it, thing for us to think about. It sometimes. is very hard. And so
1: I, I would have to say that's probably his eternal perspective.
2: There you go. I
0: so love it. unfortunately we don't have eternity on this show and uh, we're <laughs> not in control of all time. But I do want to point out when we are talking about ownership and property, we had a conversation about that. There was some inspiration actually on one of our other shows that we did this week. And are you an owner or are you a steward? And really, as Christians, and I guess as political servants to whatever government's in control of your life, depending on where you're listening to this, I guess we're just stewards, because God's the owner. And so whether it's the nation of Israel or the United States of America, we should be good stewards. And there was promises in the Bible about the Jewish land of Israel, but there's also promises in the Bible of children. They're not our property. They're not the government's property. Are we being stewards? Because there's a millstone coming for America if we don't do something right with the children. So we're going to come back with Darren Wold. We're not going to talk about the children on the next show, but we're going to talk about the rest of the story of the foundations of Israel because they were children of God. But so are the children that I mentioned that we're supposed to be protecting and arming ourselves with millstones. That That being said, we're out of time for today's show, and we will be with you again tomorrow and with Darren Wold. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.